Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome back to Watchmen Talk, a series of conversations with Israeli military and security experts and practitioners. Our guest today is retired or perhaps reserve. Major reserve, Ge- active reserve. Active reserve, uh, Major General Gershon Hakoran. Welcome. Thank you. Gershon, you're um, a veteran armor officer and uh, you served in top positions. We will get to that perhaps uh, in our second installment in this uh, series. But um, before we get to that, uh, you are one uh, of the uh, first officers in uh, what might be called the religious crop of uh, Israeli Defense Forces officers who uh, were conscripted in the early to mid-1970s, stayed uh, in the service and uh, reached high positions uh, of uh, Brigadier General and, in your case, even uh, Major General. How did that come about that uh, a yeshiva student, a religious uh, high school uh, teenager, uh, all of a sudden either sheds his kippah, in your case, or keeps it and uh, is uh, later one of the top officers of the IDF? Actually, it is an open uh, story for a PhD dissertation. I can tell a story, not uh, just to give the whole uh, uh, exploration about uh, what really created that phenomena. Actually, I didn't want to study in this uh, high school. It is a high school and the shiva together. Uh, According to my education, uh, with my grandfather from my mother's side that was a pioneer, came in the beginning, at the beginning of uh, third aliyah, it means 1920, with what was called Gduda Avoda, to translate that. Labor uh, battalion. Yes, but... uh, (laughs) Of course. uh, With uh, Trumpeldo, he was part of the group that uh, Trumpeldo organized in Krim, and they came together, and he remained religious among 170 pioneers. All of them uh, declared themselves not religious anymore, and he kept himself religious, but he was one of them. And... He was former, so I didn't want to go to a high school that was the elite of those intelligent uh, young teenagers that are not really uh, connected to the fields outside the city. It was located in the city, in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. You grew up in a family of a rabbi, and most of your brothers are rabbis too. Yes, but my father... He is not a rabbi, and I can even tell you a joke. What I wrote about him after his death in Israel Ayom, they really made a very, very good step. They sent that uh, article to me to check it before, and I told them I have just one remark. You are describing him as rabbi, and he, of course, resisted that, and I told them a story that I heard from my brother. They came to a wedding, and at that wedding, it was a relative wife, and the, it was a, a ultra-Orthodox uh, wedding, and uh, with a blessing, a, a, a rabbi was invited, the first one, 
הרב הגאון, it means the genius rabbi, this and this. And then the genius rabbi, this and this. And then my father was invited, and they said, we are inviting Rabbi Yedaya. And he said, okay, I'm coming, but I'm not rabbi in the same way that they are not genius. So he was not a rabbi. Of course, he was connected to rabbis. We one one, one may say in comparison, a lay leader, not, not uh, an ordained uh, leader <laughs> of the synagogue, but a lay leader. Yes, I, I'll tell you about that. But uh, other uh, high schools like that located that time uh, in the countryside, like uh, that that was established by a friend of my uh, father, Chaim Druckmann. It was uh, in the countryside another one, and you could really jump to walk at night uh, in the field. So I wanted to go that place. My father told me, listen, first of all, you'll have a lot of years to work. Now you have to study. So we are going to the best, the best way, uh, place to study. Secondly, he emphasized, he said like that, look, all the leaders of Israel, uh, those who born in Israel, Yitzhak Rabin, Moshe Dayan, Igor Alon studied in Kaduri. Now Kaduri is native mayor. The agricultural uh, college uh, has become the religious uh, uh, high school. Yeah, uh, and, and or yes. preparatory. And if we are asking what made that place uh, a center for so many famous people, like uh, Professor Menachem Ben Sasson, a Wumburg that studied with me uh, 12 years Later, the speaker of the Knesset. Yes, and uh, it, it was just uh, one explanation. They succeeded to collect the best of the best uh, of the teenagers in, the, in that uh, uh, religious national uh, group. But, but uh, let me uh, explain to our viewers. Uh, up until uh, the late 1970s and even later, the only major general on the Israeli Defense Forces uh, general staff was the chief rabbi. And his, his rank uh, was, uh, major general. <laughs> was achieved. And my grandfather brought him to this uh, career. <laughs> really? I, I'll tell you uh, yes. later. Okay. It is very, very interesting. Yes, he, he was. A, How it happened. He was a colonel for 15 years from 1948 to 63. And then the religious parties lobbied and he had uh, his rank. Uh, but rather, other than that, all of the officers, all of the commanders of the Six-Day War were uh, secular and um, even uh, at times atheists or anti-religious. And uh, the question is, what made you and your contemporaries, of course, after 1967, after the atmosphere in uh, Israel changed? Very interesting, but just, uh, and you are, really a great historian, you like facts. Uh, if you're just uh, really coming to contemplate who is coming from where, Ransarig, for example, one of the brigade commanders of Palmach 1948, came no, from Nahum, Nahum Sarig, he's a, and, uh, his, his, his son, Nahum Sarig, of course. Right? And uh, Gordish came from uh, Etzheim here in Jerusalem. They spoke Yiddish. And uh, what was so interesting that they had to transform themselves 
to really accept a metamorphosis of themselves to be like the others. Uh, even uh, one like Zevel Mog that phoned me and sent me uh, photographs for my father. He was his uh, guide in Bnei Akiva. Zevel Mog was uh, in Nachal Bnei Akiva to Kvutzat The chief of naval operations. Yes, and he's great. Uh, I think he, he was, uh, of course, a great friend of uh, Israel Tal, and he helped him a lot. Uh, he was uh, religious, but nothing really indicated that he came from that group. At the moment he uh, entered to military career, he, he behaved like he got so, that uh, metamorphosis. So, so let's get you into the induction center and the military. And at first you were an infantryman. Yes. What, what happened uh, during the uh, 1973 war uh, and how did you uh, convert uh, not from Judaism, but from but infantry to armor. In a way, I never converted to, from infantry to armor. Not nice to say about that. My dream was, uh, for, uh, just forgive me about that, those uh, German uh, great soldiers that uh, succeeded to combine paratroopers' uh, units and armor. Uh, and they had units like that. Uh, one of them was a group of uh, Jochen Piper, a, a very bastard. He killed a lot of Americans uh, as prisoners of war uh, in the Ardennes. But I myself uh, remain a paratrooper in my mind, and I even jumped with uh, uh, the... When we were almost 60 years old. Yes, I, I like it. But uh, even if we are taking uh, the ones that really establish uh, the Israeli armor corps, um, Uri Ben-Ari, he came from Palmach. And his way to establish uh, the armor uh, spirit was Palmach in a way, uh, with the main idea of uh, mission-oriented uh, command, uh, what was called in German Auftrag Taktik. Which, which means that once you, even as a junior officer, uh, know the commander's intent, you do not wait for orders, and uh, exactly. it is not all centralized. Exactly, and you accompanied me in the disengagement. This is the key to understand how a mission that was planned to one month was ended in less than two weeks. At the uh, uh, report after action and in the research after, I got the decision-making of my battalion commanders. I told them, that's exactly my lesson. If you would wait to my suggestion what to do in every corner in which you located, my suggestion was just not the same genius as you really brought in that uh, context. So yeah, but, we, we will get so to I'm that. So I'm really uh, in that mind. So in, at 73 war, I really was in, in good chance to participate in that war. We've sent to Sinai first week, running after commando. Uh, you were only a year or so uh, in the service. I, I was uh, less than a year. I was not even uh, 18 years old. My mother signed me to join service at 17 and a half. And uh, because I'm, I was born in uh, December. And then we just transformed to the west side of Suez Canal by helicopters to uh, uh, clean off uh, Faid Airport, 
after the entrance, uh, the very, very uh, not wise entrance of uh, Amiram Levine that uh, got RPG with his friends that was killed. So we cleaned off the territory. Immediately it became a, a very active airfield for logistic and medical center. And then we went along the switch canal to Suez. I participated in the last night of Suez in a really this saving. Is a, this is a very, very uh, uh, famous or infamous urban battle with heavy casualties. With 80 killed uh, soldiers, very, very. And, and the idea was to encircle the Egyptian Third Army, which was on the other side, on the eastern side of uh, the canal. Yes, and I was just a soldier that anticipated that night with helicopters to take the all wounded soldiers from Suez to Faid, uh, again and again. Uh, and it was really not easy night. But something with my understanding today, I participated in the publication of a book that was written by Nahum, uh, uh, Nahum uh, Zaken. He was a battalion commander of a armor unit in Fourth Ritchery. Now retired Brigadier General. Yes, he's 80 years old more. And he wrote a book, Suez is not Stalingrad. This is the title. And in the publication, Eud Barak spoke. I think that Eud Barak that, in that battle was great. He was the only one succeeded to enter to Suez and to uh, came out. But, but I have to interject. When the uh, front commander gave the division commander... Uh, about that I want to speak. Okay. Uh, the, the, uh, either the order or the permission uh, to uh, go ahead, he told him, but Suez exactly. is not Stalingrad. No, no, it was like that. The order was sent to Bren. Uh, that division was commander. Division commander by the same uh, uh, great hero of Palmach, Uri uh, ben the deputy, uh, and he command. was a, a chief of staff of the Southern Command, and the order was the following: Enter to Suez if it is not Stalingrad. The battalion commander that uh, uh, event just uh, weeks ago had to explain his soldiers that today they are almost seventy years old, even more, why he entered to that uh, uh, crazy mission, and he told them. What an order it is. How I can really check whether it is Stalingrad if I'm not entering. And when I already entered, I'm in the, that uh, uh, disaster. This is a very good way to speak from the point of view of battalion commander. But the problem is that the division commander complained in the same manner. He complained against, against that uh, order, he said, this is not a way to give an order. And I'm, I can tell him, and this is the way I'm teaching today to those who are coming to be division commanders. This is a way uh, to get an order and to realize that this is your job, your duty, to give the battalion commander an order that he can live with it without tension, but you have, have to solve the tension. It means you must create a mode of operation in which you are coming with the tension that unless you are entering, you don't know whether it is Stalingrad or not. You are also realizing that at, with that order, 
It means that you have the freedom to decide. It is you yourself to decide whether it is a disaster of Stalingrad and decide not to enter, and you, can, you are getting the permission to decide yourself or to go ahead. And how not to just come? And the lieutenant colonel, the battalion commander, is skilled and mature enough uh, to know all of that? The battalion commander not, but the division commander must be competent enough to come with analyzing this tension and to tell the battalion commander something like the following. I'm in dilemma. It, it is my responsibility to decide whether to enter or not. Your mission is, first of all, to give me an indication whether it is Stalingrad or something that I can just enter and take it immediately. And if it is according to your, to your understanding, something beyond your uh, capabilities, tell me immediately and we will know what to do. But you know, it is also depends on the circumstances in which uh, you are uh, fighting already, um, you've been fighting for three weeks. Um, we, we now know, we, we knew immediately after the war that uh, some 2,600 Israelis were killed, many more were wounded, uh, 300. And, and I, you wrote about that. Yes, and, and um, the decision by a commander on the first day whether to risk casualties is not the same exactly. as Exactly, and this is part of the circumstances that must came to awareness of uh, all the commanders especially the division commander. He must be aware about the fact that it is the last hours before ceasefire. And he must be aware about the sensitivity of the soldiers. I remember myself after a first ceasefire was declared and we got the uh, feeling that now it is the real end. And then the sky became red at that night and uh, it was an awful night. So uh, what really change the whole circumstances. No one asked us, of course, nobody uh, coming to ask the soldiers. You know, it, it reminds one of the very last hours of the First World War when it was decided that on November the 11th, at the 11th hour, there will be a ceasefire. So people were killed uh, for nothing you know, uh, during yeah. the hours uh, ahead of uh, 11. Um, so so uh, I think that commanders must be aware about it. Absolutely. On the other side, if you are just take me uh, far away from that to 1982, the ceasefire was just uh, imposed upon us like uh, in a basketball uh, game. Uh, the just immediately to stop. Well, and well, it well, was not true to stop it in that circumstances. But... but uh, uh, General Gershon Cohen, please wait in line. We will get to the 1982. Okay, but we have to answer the main question yes. that you ask. What really is the difference between uh, those like Zev Almog that not indicated the fact that they came from religious uh, family uh, in comparing them to me? Even though I'm not with uh, Kippah, uh, what I am, I'm a hybrid in a way, I, 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 but... I'm not declaring myself as secular. And in a way, I took out a kippah, not because uh, I had problems in my faith or uh, problems with God, nothing at all. I just didn't want 
to be a symbol for those who are making immediately a, a connection between me and I will be an icon for a group. I'm uh, not an icon of someone. Or I, a token. Yes. Okay, so um, in the few minutes we have for the first part of our conversation, uh, during the 1973 war, many uh, officers and men in the armored corps uh, were killed or wounded, and there was an urgent need to convert infantrymen exactly. into armor uh, leaders. So what happened? So after one month uh, that we made uh, uh, ambushes uh, in the front of uh, the bitter lake against the commando units coming back from the Third Army of Egypt, we got an order to remove to armor. No one asked us. So we crossed the Suez Canal to the other side, and we came to the battalion 433 of Nahum Zaken, uh, just to become uh, armor crew soldiers. At the first night, the brigade commander came, Arya Keren, and I raised my hand. I told him, I don't want to be here. And he asked why. I told him, I joined an infantry Nahal unit in order to come later to Sayeret Matkal. And the elite unit uh, led by Ehud Barak and others. It is not for me to be here. And he asked me, I don't understand you. If you have the choice to go 60 kilometers just by running to face your enemy or to do that driving a tank, what is better? OK, uh, so I was there already. And among the others, there was a great refusal and even troubles. So they sent the, the division commander, Bren. But Bren was a very discretic person and he really. Introverted. I, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not criticizing him, but uh, he didn't really uh, uh, went with a kind of inspiration after speaking. And then Dov Tamari came, and he was an angel. The, the deputy of this general yes. brand. And I am admiring him until today. He is a great teacher. That time he was 38 years old, very beautiful guy, really smart. He spoke with us three hours. After that, I said, okay, if I'm staying here, I'm really going to be a tank commander. And uh, this general, Tamari, was formerly the commander of Sayyid Matkal and uh, a yes. paratroop leader and was the up-and-coming leader of the Israeli Defense Forces, the way it looked at the time. So, so you were convinced that uh, Amor is the... And uh, when I said that, my crew in that tank from Suez told me in the turret of the tank, look, this is what remained from the brain of our uh, tank commander. Are you crazy? And I said I The remains of their former commander were still in the tank. Yes. Uh, were not cleaned from... It was cleaned, but it was just on, on the walls of it. And uh, I was not in the list of uh, going to tank commander. I was just three weeks in, in that battalion. So I went to Nahum Zaken. I don't know how I dare to do it. He was great and a very strong person. Told him... How come that I want to join uh, that uh, tank commander course, and I'm not in the list, and there are a lot of others 
that really don't want and they are in the list. What he told me, find someone don't want, replace him. That way I... That's the Israeli way to <laughs> improvise. But not today. Uh, this is part of something that we lost. So we came, and after that course, I was uh, really planned to remain there as an instructor, and I ran away to the Golan Heights. Okay, so um, you uh, commanded troops uh, at every level from platoon to company to battalion to brigade to division and even to an armor corps, uh, which you did until quite uh, recently. But um, we will get uh, in our second uh, conversation to what happened uh, when you were a major uh, during the um, 1982 okay, but, but I'll just, Lebanon uh, War. Uh, to bring the story with a point. So I, without permission, I went to the Golan Heights. I was sent, I was asked where I want to go, 7th Brigade or 188th Brigade. Two brigades on the Golan Heights. And I asked who are with Golani. And they told me that there is a battalion of that uh, brigade with Golani. Okay, so this, this needs explanation. Golani was, of course, an infantry brigade. Um, later on, when you were the um, commander of the armored division on the Golan Heights, the 36th division, uh, after an organizational shift yeah. in the IDF, you were in charge of, course, of Golani, yes. and you had to choose the uh, next commanding officer of the brigade. So I was sent to a battalion 53, uh, it was located near Mazrat Bejan, far away from uh, in the line of uh, 73 before the war, just down the Hermon Mountain. And my uh, company commander was Yossi Zamri. I really admired him. He was one of those uh, uh, really heroes of that brigade that succeeded to, uh, to stop uh, the waves and waves of, and waves of armor, uh, Syrians, uh, Syrian armor. invasion, and I participated that uh, company along all the uh, attrition war that uh, that emerged after the first ceasefire until and June, and, and then I was sent to uh, officer school, and my company commander in that uh, school in Kosinesirion was Yossi Zamri. Okay, so now you are 18 going on 19, you're a, <laughs> you're a second lieutenant, and uh, the rest, until you became Major General Gershon O'Cohen, we will hear in the second installment. So for now, uh, thank you, Gershon O'Cohen, okay. and we will be back soon for Watchmen Talk. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.